podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football and Seahawks players in the draft on the defensive side of the ball, players that we think uh, would be good fits in Seattle's scheme on the team and players that we like in the draft. Welcome in. Yeah, so um, let's be a fun show. I, um, Seahawks need a, need a new defense. Um, for the most part, and there's a lot of really good players in here. They've also got a lot of a, a lot of picks um, in the right spots for some of these guys. So, um, should be an interesting show, and uh, one we could talk about a lot of guys that would make Seattle a significantly better team. I agree. I agree. You know, I was going to start at the top, and I thought, well, we, we've talked about Will Anderson and, and guys like uh, Jalen Carter. Uh, excuse me, um, a lot in this draft already and mm-hmm. so i kind of skipped over those guys um well, i wanted be... to talk about i wanted to talk about jalen carter sure. um not so much because I, you're right we've talked about him um in in his on field he's an unblockable defensive tackle who um would be your three tech and is going to be just an absolutely monster disruptive force um but i wanted to bring him up because at one point he was thought he might be the first overall pick in the draft um okay the quarterbacks have kind of taken over that which they always do then he was thought of you know being either the first defensive player off the board maybe the second behind will anderson but he's had these the the legal problems um where he was caught racing somebody um uh you know there was an accident some people died um there were the original reports was that he left and then came back later. Um, current reports are that he actually stayed, was there, was released, and then called and asked to come back. And that's why he came back later, um, was he was asked to come back to answer some additional questions. Um, he's pled, pled no contest. All of those legal, legal issues are gone for him. But he gained nine pounds between... Um, the combine when this story first broke and his pro day and where, where are you on him? Are you, um, thinking that he's off Seattle's board, which I know you thought at one point, or are you back to him being, um, a potential picket at five? This is a very interesting question, Keith, and it really does kind of dictate where Seattle would go in the draft. Um, clearly he helped them. Uh, he's ideally fitted for what they need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess currently he's off my board, not necessarily for the, the incident, uh, the road, the road incident with him, but 
the the behavior situation with the uh, the workout at the combine, not working out, having to leave, and then his pro day, <clears throat> which is the most important uh, work um, interview uh, of his uh, of his life so far, and he showed up um, gaining nine pounds and then not being able to finish workouts um, because of, of being out of, out of condition. Uh, that's a big red flag for me. Uh, but you take a look at the tape and you take a look at uh, interviews. These scouts, area scouts for Seattle, as well as others, um, as well as their familiarity with uh, the coaching staff there at Georgia and talking uh, amongst all of that. They've got big decisions to make where he's at with his um, mental game, uh, which is which is the big factor here. And so uh, I originally thought Seattle would, would have them uh, have him off their board uh, just because of the Malik McDowell situation that they went mm-hmm. through. And, uh, and when you're taking a, a shot at this early in the draft, you want to make sure character uh, concerns are not part of the equation. And um, so that's a big question mark. And uh, I've heard uh, differing things about Seattle being uh, perfectly fine and clear uh, with, Jalen Carter, and they would uh, be happy to select him uh, in this draft to he's off their board. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure for me, I'm in the same boat. I I don't have access to all that information. This is one of the areas, Keith, where we do not have access um, that that the team does. And so I I don't know Uh, if the team has done all their work and has uh, feels good about the pick. Uh, because of the game film and the play on the field and these other issues, they feel like the the weight gain between the combine and his pro day were understandable given conversations they've had with George's coach and some of the people around him. The area scouts know know him pretty well by now. Um, maybe you know that whole incident and the court date and all that stuff just really took his mind off football and. And maybe rightly so. Who knows? Um, and so if you've got a player that you can still work with and, and comes into your system and really helps your team, that's really what it's all about in the NFL. And so the, it's such a it's a hard one. And I don't think we're going to know until draft day whether where he's selected. You know, if he ends yeah. up falling out of the top 10, maybe back to, to 20 or something, um, and, and other team, multiple teams are passing on him. Then we know, um, if, if Seattle takes him at five or drops back from five to six or seven or eight, and then he's there and they take him, then, then we know that, that he's good to go. So it, it's, it's up to them. Just got to yeah. trust the process. That's, um, I just, don't, I don't even know what to think on, on it because, um, I was all in on Jalen Carter from his tape. I was too. And then the stuff happened with the combine and the initial reports of him, like just leaving the scene where someone he knew died. Yeah. um, Red flag. Like I was like, Oh no, this guy's no interest. Um, But that's, you know, those things seem to be off the table, but now then it's like this workout part. Um, and I just, I honestly just don't know where to roll with, with any of that. I've just always, um, 
Like, is this hard in football? Yeah. And, and even with all the legal stuff taken care of, can you, do you trust him? Um, he was or, also caught speeding. You know, I'll just say this. There was another speeding incident prior to the accident uh, in 2022 where he was uh, speeding at like uh, 90 miles an hour in a 45. Mm. And so there's there's some things here that, that they would have to work through um, and bring him into the, the fold if, if they choose. Uh, he would need some mentoring and some coaching and he would need to mature a little bit. Um, and do you want to do that with the top 10 pick? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, there's the, there is the Malik McDowell situation and. And then you're going to hand him, you know, probably he's probably going to get, if he's a top 10 pick, he's probably going to get $10 million signing Mm -hmm. bonus. In, in, you know, when he signs his contract and you're going to turn over that kind of money to a, to a guy that has maturity issues and character concerns and makes, and has made choices like racing cars at 140 some miles an hour. Um, and you know, in the very recent past, I, I have a hard time with it, but he's God damn, he's a good football player. Um, yeah, yeah but some things you just have to pass so, on. You know, know, and and you Let and I both know someone else's problem for a fact that we've needed a disruptor in, in the center of our defense for a decade, and um, he would be the guy. And so, and if you pass, you know for a fact that these concerns were bigger than football, and you got to you got to go a different direction. So anyway, that's the deal with him. That's why I was kind of skip over it. I appreciate the the opportunity to talk about it though, because. It is a sea hockey type player. It's a player mm-hmm. that fits their scheme as, as a as a nose tackle and a three tech, and and an edge player. He's scheme diverse. He can play all across the line for you. And, and, and he's just unblockable. And he, a guy you'd never take so out the explosive. field. You, he would literally play almost hundred percent of the snaps every single game and be a fixture in your defense that you mm-hmm. build around. He's that that pick that piece uh, for years to come. So if they make the pick, they've done their research. If they don't make the pick, they've done their research. So, cool. Interesting. All right. All right. So well, the first player um, on my list that I want to talk about was Christian Gonzalez. Probably not a player that they're going to pick at five, um, but worthy of the conversation because he's the perfect player in Seattle scheme to go against uh, compliment uh, Tariq Woolen on the other side. Uh, he'd be an inexpensive a uh, player, uh, you know, in the in as far as their corners are concerned, their starting corners, and have one of the best starting corner tandems in the NFL uh, with Christian Gonzalez at six one, two hundred pounds, thirty two inch arms, super athletic, great corner already as far as mm-hmm. skill set is concerned. So he'd be able to come in and start right away. Uh, he would be a great pick. Yeah, um, and I think that. Um, I mean, talk about a luxury pick though. You've already right, got, right. you've already got a pro bowl, uh, corner. You've got a, um, a good guy who fits your scheme perfectly on the other side. Um, and then you're going to go get the best cornerback in the draft. One of the better prospects we've seen in the last few years, um, to mix that up and, and be like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and try and throw on us. 
Um, well, which what, is, you know, there is there are scenarios um, in the draft where things don't work out at the top. You've got four quarterbacks or three quarterbacks go uh, in the top three, and Bryce Young and like a Tyree Wilson or something are, are available to you and Jalen Carter at five, and you don't want to go in, in that direction. And so um, you're trying to move back and there's no, nobody that wants to move up for Bryce Young and you're stuck. You've got to make the pick. And so do you, do you reach, do you start reaching then for uh, different players? And uh, Christian Gonzalez would be the safe pick at that spot where, you know, you at least come out with an impact starter day one. Yeah. I mean, day one, a very high end starter. I mean, guy has, um, the guy is a comparable prospect to sauce Gardner last year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who's on your board? Um, I was actually going to, um, go in a, in a similar direction with what you're, um, talking about. I wasn't going to go with Gonzalez cause I don't think that he, I don't think he's the, he's the pick just because it's, he'll be so high up there, but you're right about the situation. of getting stuck at five without the guys you want. Um, but I was thinking more along the lines of Joey Porter Jr. Um, yeah. This is after a trade back because you end up in that situation um, and where you're just not interested in the guys that are there. So you move back to um, 11 uh, and get an extra second round pick or something in there. And then, okay, well, who's the best player available at this spot? Um, and to me, that would probably be uh, Joey Porter Jr. who's another cornerback. Um, you know, yeah, a little super long, super long, athletic, um, doesn't have the, isn't quite as fast as Gonzalez, but, um, plays really smart and is still fast. Um, Gonzalez is just elite, but I, you know, he's the, he, to me, he's the number two cornerback in this draft and also a very high end, um, prospect. And I just think that he would be, to me, that if you're going to take a, a cornerback because of the situation, I'd rather have it be Joy Porter. And the reason isn't the player; it's because you would take Joy Porter after you've moved back and got in like another second round pick, um, and you'd still get an elite player. Yeah, Seattle's uh, familiar with his dad. His dad played for the Pittsburgh Steelers in, against us in the Super Bowl in 2005. Um, yep. So there's that. Um, I like it. I mean, it's smart player, physical, um, fast enough, four, four, six. And is Joey uh, Porter super... senior, a hall of famer. Yeah. Well, I think, I think so as a linebacker. Yeah. I thought he was. And, um, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, you know, um, his dad played linebacker for the Steelers, but I'm like, it shouldn't these like the profiles when they mentioned that say hall of fame linebacker. So then I, then I question whether I, my memory is faulty or not. And it probably is. So yeah, I, don't, I can't, I don't, I can't remember for sure. Uh, I just remember the, the, the part where, yeah, he played. For mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but this, this guy's ready to go, you know, it's going to immediately come in and help you probably be this, you know, the, the second best corner on the, on the roster, uh, day one. And it would be a, a great pick. I like it. it. You know, this is a guy that could be available in that 20 range. 
potentially if he were to to fall a little bit but he's going to be a coveted guy just based on the athletics traits and, and mm-hmm. scheme diversity because he can play zone and press um another guy in that range uh, the 20 range is lucas van ness for me i knew uh, you're gonna a, bring him up a bigger defensive end that's ascending uh that's mm-hmm. that's on on the uptake looked really good and skilled at the combine had great tape didn't really start uh all the time at iowa um but just a, a real nice player ran a four five eight at six five 272 pounds 34 inch arm super long athletic um three cone was was 7.02 which is elite at that size um he's just a, a guy that i think could work into a role i think he can fit in a three four as well as a four three as a base defensive end like a you know five tech um he's gonna have a similar role um for you in in a three four um playing on on the end maybe build up a little bit at at five or ten pounds um, he's got the he's got the frame he does to add he looks like um, a cyborg he could he could easily add you know 10 to 15 pounds more um and be go from being a guy that plays at five tech to a guy that plays at three and will dominate it either um yeah 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 he's you know it's it's a splash move i think you get this it, there's players like this available in the in the second and third round as well. Um, just really depends on the way the draft board's falling and how they value him and so forth. Um, another player at this particular spot in the draft, I think might even go slightly earlier, that I think Seattle is going to love is Nolan Smith, Keith. Mm. Yes. Is he on your list? He's on my list. Yeah, I figured. I, I, well, I, I kind of knew that um, uh, Lucas Van Ness would be on yours, so picking in that same area. Um, I, I selected Nolan Smith to put online. Yeah. Yeah. Nolan's on my list too. He's, he's the next guy I was going to talk about, but go ahead. Um, I mean, I worry that you're going to play a Georgia tax at some point on some of these guys because they're the defense that they play on is so good, but, um, he stood out though. Oh, he did. So he's six two two forty two thirty eight. Um, so he is not an, not the 280 pound guy that that um, Van Ness was. He's not playing your five tech. This guy's lining up at, at outside linebacker. He's coming off the edge, um, but as a you know, four three nine, this is wide receiver yeah. um, speed. Yeah, and uh, going to be coming off the edge around the corner with great bend. Um, he's going to be really hard to stop coming off that edge and has that speed and athleticism to do all the other outside linebacker things that you want yeah. in the three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, you know, I had mentioned to you uh, prior um, to us recording today about the idea of, of him being a sea hockey player and uh, kind of an ideal player that, that Pete Carroll would absolutely completely love. And also I was thinking about Jamal Adams and you know how the, Jamal Adams moves around in the scheme and often viewed as, as a, as a strong side linebacker type player in a, a smaller, even uh, strong safety body. Um, Jamal Adams doesn't want to wrap up necessarily. He wants to hit you. He wants to be physical. Uh, they ask him to drop back into coverage, although his skill set is not that Nolan Smith has the skill set Jamal Adams possesses, but the body to, take the punishment 
And so for me, if they brought Nolan Smith in, they'd use him in a similar way that they used Jamal Adams in the first year that Jamal Adams was here, rushing the passer off the edge uh, on, on blitz, blitz situations or whatever. He's flying around the edge, but, but he's such a good player. You kind of want to keep him on the field. So they'd move him around a little bit. He'd play in the box. He'd come up, move around on the defense. He'd be that chess piece, that athlete that you have sometimes on the on the defensive side of the ball and in that Jamal Adams type role. I think that they were really hoping to use last year again. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that's where his value is. Yeah, I mean, he's super athletic, super fast, just clobbers people. But you're right. He... Um, he outweighs Jamal Adams by 40 pounds. Well, yeah, 30. Um, yeah, Jamal Adams is 208 now. Okay. Um, still, he out- outweighs him by 30 pounds. Um, yeah, and he and, still has the athleticism that matches Jamal Adams. So I think you, you bring him up and you let him, you know, fly around and do things. But you're, yeah, I mean, him coming off the edge with that speed is crazy. Him coming up the middle with that speed on a, on a twist or something mm-hmm. uh, on a blitz mm-hmm. and he's a weapon guard, guards are not going to be able to um, mirror what he yeah. does. Well, he's, he's a physical, he's physical. He's mm-hmm. a physical player too. So it's not like he's just a, you know, that frame is lanky or anything. He's six two two thirty eight. He looks like a linebacker, you know, but he moves like a, like a very fast safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And he drops back into coverage. He's got good coverage skills, um, better coverage skills than Jamal Adams possesses, possesses right now. So for me, this is a larger, faster, bigger Jamal Adams in Seattle scheme. And I think mm-hmm. Pete Carroll would just drool over this pick if, if he came. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. Um, and that's why I, I mean, that speed, that speed at 240 pounds is just crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this is a defense that needs to get, continue to get faster. There team, are the, yes. team speed was a problem a couple of years ago, got better last year. Um, at this point, it looks like it may, I mean, part, that was part of the reason why Bobby Wagner was not brought back a year ago was because they were trying to improve team speed. Well, Wagner's now back again. Um, and they need guys with some speed. So, I think that this is a, um, a a good pick. Anyways, who's your next guy? I had uh, Ade Ade, uh, the defensive end, 6'2", 282 out of uh, Northwestern, ran a 449 at the Combine, looked like one of the most athletic players at the Combine, kind of coming on draft boards. He would move inside in, in Seattle's scheme as, as a three-tack um at that size has room to put on a little bit more but he's kind of a, a shorter stout player um but super super athletic all has all the past rush repertoire you want agility wise he's got the ability to go sideline to sideline for you um and a nice wingspan even with uh 32 inch arms he's got 81 and 5 8 inch wingspan so very broad uh, mm-hmm. shoulder kind of a guy fun prospect yeah, guy I like. I like him a lot. Um, it's an interesting because most of my guys, I'm looking at my list, I'm like, why are, oh, they're all defensive linemen, aren't they? It's interesting. Um, it's a it, great, it's a, you know, when you go through the, like the big board, Keith, this is a much easier um, 
process for me on the defensive side than we did on the offense. On the offense, I had I struggled to find some players that kind of really fit. And on the mm-hmm. defense, there's way more players uh, that are going to be on my list that are that are kind of Seahawks uh, oriented players. It's it's going to be a fun draft on the defensive side for sure. Yeah. So there's guys that um, names that are, are I'm sure are very familiar uh, to our listeners. Um, like Mozzie Smith out of mm-hmm. Michigan, um, super, just crazy athletic, um, mm-hmm. defensive tackle at 323 pounds. Um, like guy that's going to be, uh, an all world nose tackle, um, because he's not, he's big, he's, he's impossible to move, but he's also got that explosiveness to get up field and, and be disruptive. And, um, I almost think like He's not on my list, but he is on my you know on, is yeah, on right. every list I make. We um, he is the same. I did the same thing. So, um, yeah, I I just see him as, as as that's like the easiest pick. It's almost it's almost too easy when you're doing a mock draft to to get to get him to Seattle because he yeah he's just sea hockey and needy. And he's all a of that. he's another player that's probably going to end up in the first round. That that every mock I do is he's available at 37. I just don't think he's going to be available at 37. I think somebody's going to go up and get him. And Seattle could be one of those teams. You get through day one and he's sitting there at at, uh, first pick off the board and uh, in the second round, I could see Seattle making that move from 37 to 33 and getting him. Yeah. Um, But so uh, in similar position, same position, but a very different player, um, Siaki Ika. Um, out of Baylor, defensive tackle, 6'3", 335. And this is a guy that isn't going to dominate you with um, that pure athleticism, explosiveness. He's just huge, wide um, player with a great ankle, uh, controls the middle of any defense. Um, not going to be there on, on you know third and long. He's going to be a guy that they, they can take off the field. He's a first and second down player. Um, but honestly, yeah. that's okay. And you, that's what you, that's what you're looking for in a nose tackle anyway. Um, and the guy is just so big and so yeah. such an immovable force at nose tackle. I just yeah, think that, I'm, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I just think that he's uh, a great fit and is much more likely to be in a draftable spot, like, you know, down in the, in the forties or fifties. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Seattle really hops on this thing. You know, he's definitely a gap control player, can play to, to get for you, nose tackle, obviously. Um, he's going to improve your run defense immediately. Um, you mentioned the fact that he's not going to give you much as far as the uh, interior uh, push, but that's not what his job is going to be uh, in the NFL. Uh, he's going to be a gap control, controlling those gaps, taking on double teams freeing up the middle for Bobby Wagner and company to, to make plays behind the line of scrimmage uh, mm-hmm. to come up and fill holes and so forth. So, um, yeah, I like it. You know, Seattle's going to be in the market, I think, for for at least two defensive linemen in this draft. And one of them is going to be a nose tackle because we do not have a single healthy nose tackle on this roster. Yeah. Okay. My next guy was uh, J.L. Skinner, the um, the strong safety. Um, out of Boise, Boise yeah. State. Uh, four, five, five, forty. This is a draft that doesn't have a lot of premier um, safety talent available. Uh, this is one of those players uh, that can come up and really hit you. Hits with authority. Good size, six four, two oh nine. 
everyone's going to kind of be reminded of Cam Chancellor as far as the stature and the the, the play uh, that he has. He's going to need to uh, come up to the competition level at Boise State. You know, he wasn't seeing that. So players are going to be faster, stronger, bigger uh, in the NFL that he's used to. And so he's going to need to uh, to adapt. But he should be sitting there somewhere in the third round range. And if he is, uh, he might be the type of player Seattle would, would uh, grab. Oh, yeah. Um, at his size, like people are going to make the Cam Chancellor um, like comparisons because yeah. of Seattle. But um, I don't know. I see Chancellor. Chancellor was so unique. Um, it wasn't just his size and whatnot, but it was some of the other stuff that he did and his ability to be a linebacker when needed and his ability to um, even though he he was not he was kind of bad at coverage early in his career later in his career he had refined his coverage skills and was actually pretty um pretty good and very underrated um as a coverage guy um before his injury so um i see him as an early this guy as as an early career cam we'll see if he has the potential to develop into um the great player that can be cam absolutely but i don't i wouldn't i would that's kind of an unfair like here, you have to go be Cam Chancellor um, to a guy that's going to be selected, you know, I think um, in the third or fourth round. I agree. So um, let's see where to go next. Um, so many guys to choose from because my list of 10, um, I'm like, ooh. I, I have a bonus. I literally wrote bonus player and added one. So I've got, well, I've got 10, but then I'm like, I, we probably shouldn't include like Mozzie Smith. Don't include him because we've talked right, about him a lot. Right, and, right. But I, it's there. Um, how about uh, Moro Ojomo? Yeah. Ojomo. Ojomo. Yeah. Um, a um, three tech uh, defensive tackle, uh, 6'3, uh, 292. So he's um, not a nose tackle, um, but he's a guy that um, is powerful. That, that's just what comes to mind. Just a guy long. he's long, he's powerful. He's going to take um, guards and centers that try and take him on and drive them into the backfield, screwing up running plays. Um, Cause he's there. There's not the running lanes, not going to be there because there's, he will have pushed the guard back into the running back. Um, and he just is high energy, incredible motor. Um, Yeah, just a guy that I think that will would fit in really well with what Seattle wants to do as a, you know, in terms of would they have guys two gap, um, and his strength and his um, yes, just ability to just overpower guards. Um, and he plays like that on every play, so he doesn't take yes. plays off. That's the nice thing about this guy. Yeah, just just a guy that can overpower guards. You know, three hundred and thirty pound guards, um, and and shed blocks to make tackles at the line and that kind of stuff like if Seattle wants to go that route where they're doing a lot of two gapping, this is a guy that I think fits really well. And, and available probably in the third or fourth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're missing out on guys early, don't sweat Seahawks fans. There's other players in this draft that have got some really good skills. Another player uh, I'll talk about now. I was going to talk about somebody else first, but Byron young out of Alabama, um, another player in the same sort of mold. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that that I think the Seahawks are going to be uh, interested in. Uh, 294 pounds, 6'3", uh, 34 and 3 eighths inch arms. So he's got that long wingspan for you. Super athletic, comes from a big school, uh, solid core, all that kind of stuff. Good, tenacious worker, had a great combine. Um, and senior bowl. So uh, Seahawks are going to probably like that guy. Uh, the other guy I was going to talk about was a cornerback, Darius Rush. Um, falling in love with this this corner. He's got South- a fantastic name. Yeah. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah. Got a fantastic name. <laughs> sounds like um, sounds like a uh, lead guitarist for um, some sort of like Metal Led band. Zeppelin yeah. Uh, yeah. cover band. Um, absolutely. Yeah, 6'2", 198 pounds, 33 and 3 eighths inch arms. Seahawks going to love that length. At that position, ran a four three six forty, uh, thirty five inch vertical and a one point um, five one split. So super uh, quick burst off the off the uh, off the snap. Um, I I really like his ball skills and his ability to kind of be in position and mirror, um, stay step for step with guys, uh, quick hips. You know he turns and runs really well. So um, it's just a bot. It, you know. It's a, it's a guy that you're going to bring in um, from South Carolina. So, he, you know, it's not a big school program. Uh, you're going to bring him in. He's going to learn your system. He's going to work in. He's going to make the roster. He's going to play special teams right away uh, and, and develop. So you can, you can imagine getting this guy. He's rising up. So, you know, he's got a third round, fourth round grade. I would imagine he's probably going to go in the third round based on his athletic upside and attributes. Um, and that's where you'd have to get them. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I'd, I'd support that pick. That's a, that's a good player. Um, and someone who I, I really like, um, yeah. didn't realize he was on your, on your radar. Um, but yeah, definitely a guy I like, um, can I, I'm going to go back to the defensive line. All of my players are defensive linemen. <laughs> I've got, um, a, I've got a couple coming up because that's, that's what clearly I want seattle to do they need defensive linemen i'd love for them to get a linebacker but i honestly this isn't a great middle linebacker draft um guy that i don't think you and i've talked about yet in all of the draft shows that we've done carl brooks defensive tackle out of uh out of bowling green um six three three oh three he's not a nose tackle he's a three tech um got shorter arms um than most teams would like so i think he's going to drop a bit but he plays quick his first step is michael bennett quick um and that is going to uh, that's going to make a big difference at the next level um and i mean michael bennett was undrafted as a defensive end um his rookie year the seahawks moved him inside to defensive tackle where he was undersized but that first quick step yeah um got him into the backfield and he turned that into a great career a long great yeah. career yeah um i like and, it i like i like this he comes from a smaller school obviously bowling green um but you're right the burst the quickness the the the, the speed at 30363 um good uh tester at the combine um so i, I like i like it i mean it's a it's a middle round pick 
like a, a fourth round, but that's kind of mm-hmm. where you want to get guys like this and bring them in and let them uh, learn behind um, Jerron Reed, you know, yeah. and, and company and just uh, give them, give them a chance to be on your roster. Makes and, me think of a younger Jerron Reed, yeah. like um, just a guy with, with quickness and size and um, has the potential to be a, an interior pass rusher, which this team needs. Yes. Yes. He's got, this is the kind of pick that you love to have in the fourth round. Guys with upside, nobody's heard Mm -hmm. about them, uh, but can come in, make your roster, play special teams and and develop. I got a similar player in um, Jalen Redmond, uh, the Mm -hmm. defensive uh, lineman uh, out of the University of uh, Oklahoma. Uh, It's 291, uh, ran a 48140 at that size, which is outstanding um, for a, a three tech. And he's a little older prospect. Went to the Senior Bowl, though. They love those guys. He's 24 years old. Um, not as, as big of a wingspan as Carl Brooks. I would actually prefer Carl Brooks as a prospect over, over this player. But I understand he had a good uh, Senior Bowl. He had a good combine. Looked really nice as a prospect at the combine. Um, and agility, <clears throat> excuse me, agility drills and so forth. Um, so it's another player that you take a flyer on in the, in the fifth round. Seattle's got two fifth round picks. I would imagine this is the type of player that they are looking for at at that spot. Yeah. I like that. I had another one too. Uh, Gerard Clark, uh, the nose tackle, uh, Mm -hmm. at 335, 340 pounds, um, at six, four and ran a four, five, uh, four, two, five, 40. He's a guy that's going to just two gap for you. And take up space in the middle. Five, five, two, five, forty. Five, two, five. Yeah, not four, two, five. Because if you ran a four, four, two, two, sorry, a four, a four, two, five (laughs) at that, um, we're talking about world records. And yeah, um, right. I yeah. (laughs) But you know, he's he's a plotter. Uh, Short shuttle was crap at four point eight three. His ten yard split was ridiculous at one point eight two, which is as slow as molasses. Um, he, he jumped 27 inches on his vertical and his broad jump was almost a hundred inches. And so, uh, agility wise, this guy is, is not great, you know, 10 percentile, um, poor as far as that, uh, but the play on the field is that this guy just, um, shuts down the run game. And, um, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, yeah. Um, how about um, Dante Stills? I, that's a uh, guy I haven't looked at too much. Defensive tackle um, out of West Virginia, uh, 6'3", 286. Um, so you're looking as a, a 3-4 defensive end. Um, he's got some really, um, you know, he's got some decent athletic scores. They're not going to overwhelm you. Uh, like the, a four eight five. Uh, 40 is good for a guy his size, but it's not great. Um, mm-hmm. His three cone of of 7.38 is is really good for a guy his size. He's got some agility. Um, but he's a guy that doesn't, he doesn't pop off the tape. He doesn't have, he doesn't look like he's going to be a um, a three tech because he, he just doesn't have that um, anchor to hold up uh, against the run there. Um, but you put him at the five tech and he maybe doesn't have quite the, the get off to get around the edge. So mm-hmm. people are going to be, Oh, well, he's kind of a guy without a position, but 
what he is is a guy with good athleticism, great agility, who you can put in different places on the line and you play other guys off of him um, because you can loop defensive or outside linebackers inside of him. Um, you know, on, on passing situations, you can have him come inside where the, the nose would be and, and just try and beat the center and, you know, things like that. You can move him around. He's a great rotational piece um, that has the potential to be disruptive all the time because he's, because he's quick and, and, and that, and has good size. So I think that um, he's a guy that is more of a weapon defensively than a true, you know, stick him in one position and leave him there. Um, but I think that you want your defensive front seven to be a little creative and, and do some fun stuff. And if you're going to do that, you need guys like this um, on your field. So nice. uh, I think he'd be a great fit. And I honestly, because of his lack of true position, like he's just kind of that tweeter. He's going to drop um, further than he should and be available, you know, round four, round five, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Speaking of tweeners, uh, I, I picked uh, safety Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State um, on, on my list just because of the kind of player that he is. I think he's a Seahawkey type player at six foot, 203 pounds, but he's a strong safety. He's mm-hmm. uh, got four, four, five speed, but he's more stout than he is long and lanky. It uh, doesn't have that makeup speed that you want on the back end, but he's got sideline sideline ability and he can hit you. He's tenacious that way. Good enough in coverage, but at six foot uh, matchups across the middle with tight ends and so forth, there might be a problem. So you're taking a look at him in the, um, the, the fifth, sixth round range, uh, but he's got that big time school um, experience at Ohio State. It's taken over 700 snaps in two straight seasons. So he's a valued contributor for them. He's going to be a special teams guy. Uh, that's the type of player that you're looking for in that range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have one more left that, that's my 11th bonus player. Go for it. Um, Terrell Smith, cornerback Terrell Smith out of Minnesota. Six foot and a half inch, 204 pounds, 32 and seven inches arms. Super athletic um, guy, ran a 4-4-1-40, 34-inch vert, 10-foot um, bro- broad jump, uh, 7.02 on the three-cone and uh, 4.3 on the short shuttle, which uh, are, are really good um, at that spot. And I just think he's kind of a great size, speed, toughness, technique guy that comes from a really nice program uh, with, you know, uh, doesn't have a lot of on the ball production as far as pass breakups and interceptions and so forth. So he's kind of an overlooked guy. Um, when you take a look at big boards, he's in that seventh round range, anywhere from pick 200 to 250. Um, but a guy that's got that thing that you're looking for as far as the size and the speed and the athleticism um, and, and the physicality on, on coming up and making tackles, I think Seattle would be attracted to. Uh, he's a good tackler, solid in that area, and so forth. And if they think they can develop the other things, it would be a solid pick at that range. Yeah. Okay, um, I've got a bonus one for you. Okay. And I'm going to move off the defensive line for the first time since very early in the show. Um, uh, Yasir Abdullah, linebacker out of Louisville. Um, 6'1", 237. Um, 
is a guy that you can see anywhere from the fourth round to not drafted, depending on where you look. Um, teams with that, you, he's a guy that can do a lot of different stuff. Um, he'll be an instant special teams like star um, with his speed, you know, four, four, seven at that size, but he's got great explosive traits as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, nice teams will be worried that he's a little, he's not quite long enough, big enough at six, one with only 32 and three inch arms to, um, you know, to be that, that um, edge rusher guy. But I don't think of him as an edge rusher guy. I think he's a guy that moves inside plays um, middle linebacker. Um, and has that speed and just natural instincts, flows to the ball, uh, gets after players, is always around the ball, no matter what's going on. He's always around the ball, sideline to sideline speed. Like I just think he's a great fit as an interior linebacker in a three-four. Um, you know, if you not, miss out on on Nolan Smith in this draft, this guy's a, a poor man's Nolan Smith. Yeah, he yeah. is. Um, and you, you, people are talking about him as a seventh rounder or undrafted. I think he's going to be more like a fifth rounder, but um, has I, I think he's got potential to be uh, an absolute mainstay on your defense. Yeah, no, that's um, a nice, nice. He's got to make sure that you figure out how to use him and use him right because linebackers in this draft, I don't know they're going to be um, particularly special. Um, there are some good prospects and good candidates for in the linebacker area uh, if you go early. Uh, and then there's kind of a dead spot in the draft where there's, you know, after the after the fourth round, the talent really seems to drop off. This, you know, if he's available out there, this is one of the, you know, more athletic and talented guys, I think, that's, that'll be available in that range. And, um, yeah, good good find. I, I've overlooked him. Uh, quite a bit actually um haven't really mocked him to any of my uh, on any of my mocks or really looked at his athleticism until just now and um yeah that's that's good honestly i wouldn't have uh probably noticed him and had him on my radar if it hadn't been for um us doing our mock drafts because i got late in one and i didn't have a linebacker and seattle needs freaking linebackers like crazy um and so i started looking and doing some research on guys that I hadn't looked at before. And um, this came across um, uh, Abdullah and I just like, I like what I see in, in his tape and, and athleticism. And I think he's going to be a guy that most people haven't heard of, but is, is a, a good solid pro. Yeah. I love shows like this where we just kind of you know, free range and, and go back and forth. Um, it's it, it, when you go through the process leading up to the draft, you're just looking at, hundreds of, of players over uh you know a three or four month period to evaluate and kind of figure this all out it's 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 a it's a fun thing that, that keith and i have done not mm-hmm. just this year but for years now i was thinking back had a conversation with another uh guy the other day about how long i've really been in involved in uh looking at the at the draft and studying players and prospects and, and trying to figure it all out and um the year that came into my brain was 1985. Um, and, and I've just been kind of doing the draft with my dad at, at first, kind of getting into that, uh, trying to anticipate the picks ahead of time is, is a fun thing to do. Buying the, the draft magazines you used to be able to buy at Safeway on the, on the, uh, the magazine rack, um, go in there and, and look through all the picks and all the players prior to the draft. So you kind of knew what was going on. 
and um, started started with that. And then ESPN started, uh, you know, right around the same time. Mel Kiper, all that stuff, and and so we've been doing this for for a while. And uh, it's surprising how skilled you get at trying to figure this out. Now, mm-hmm. when you go through the draft, the idea isn't necessarily hitting on every pick that you you're you're mocking or you're picking but you're looking for the type of player that Mm -hmm. Seattle would do because you've got 32 other teams you're not going to hit on everything but you are kind of hitting on the the process that the evaluation part where you you recognize certain players uh would be good fits on your scheme and in in your team and generally you can hit one or two uh picks out of out of 10 you're doing pretty good but the type of players and the different spots in the draft, um, you're, you're hitting quite a few of those. So, Well, and I think one of the things that, um, that I've done in doing this, because like I've, I'm like you, I've always been kind of um, interested, read stuff, but it was other people's work, right? Um, and it was just getting to know what, other, what, scout, what, what scouts and, and, and draft guys did um, up until, uh, I'll say, 15 years ago. Um, and it's probably before that, but, um, in, in real earnest, um, once I started, um, you know, being a writer and, and, and covering things myself, getting into the process, but I was trying to be more, um, metacognitive about it and not just be like, Ooh, what do I know about this player? But it's like, what am I seeing compared to what other people are seeing? And what does that mean both as my, as an evaluator, but also, what I'm going to see at the next level. And there are certain positions that um, I found out fairly quickly that I was good at evaluating and other ones where I was terrible. Um, and I, to this day, even through all the process and all of the going back and looking at my notes from four years ago to see how those people developed, whatever, I'm not a very good um, evaluator at running back. I'm just not. Now the NFL yeah. as a as a whole is is kind of bad at it, um, but I'm worse. Um, <laughs> wide receiver is not my best position either, um, but I'm good at the offensive line. Um, like I have been really good at the offensive line. I think it's it's safe to say if you go through and you can go back and look at at the stuff I've written. It's on the web out there, um, you know, and and some of the other positions, linebacker um, and. Um, quarterback um you know there are there are things that i do well and things that i don't and i i don't try to hide from the things that i don't do well i try and admit it and be like i this is what i see on a running back but take it with a grain of salt because that's my (laughs) it is my weakest position um and i continue to try and learn and i get better but at the same time like i don't know um, yeah, it, right. but it's, it, it's a fun process and it, it does is, take, it is fun. I think as if you want to get into this and you want to be a, um, a draft writer and you want to, you know, have a blog and that kind of stuff, um, don't act like you're right all the time. Um, the people who do that, they get, they, I, I understand why they think they have to do that, but they don't. Um, the people who are well respected, especially well respected within the draft community are those that admit what they're wrong be like wow i really screwed that up here here's what i saw and what i need what i need to take away from this and what i need to, how i how i need to learn going forward um make admit that when you're not when you don't get things right um don't try and be right all the time and 
Um, it really does help. It helps you as an evaluator, but it also actually gives you more credibility than less. So, I agree. I yeah. agree. Admitting your weaknesses is not a weakness. Um, I wanted to let everyone know a couple of uh, shows in advance of what we're doing. Uh, Risers and Fallers in the Draft is on the uh, on the agenda. On the next show, we're going to do our um, second to last mock draft coming up uh, this next week and uh, take a look uh, at mid to late round prospects the Seahawks could look at. We've taken a look at some of those and some of the names we've mentioned today, but we're going to do that. We did a, little, did a lot of mids, very few. Uh, very few late round pro, pro, late yeah. round prospects today, but that gets to be. I mean, you get lost in the weeds there. There's so many guys. There are so many guys. <laughs> and and uh, one of the shows coming up mid April is what will the Seahawks do with the fifth pick? Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that in our offensive prospect show uh, before this, but that's an interesting conversation. I think the closer you get to the draft, the easier that conversation is. And the more bewildering it can also be as well, because if there's no information leaking out at all, sometimes you just have no idea. And right now I have no idea. Yeah, like, they could go in so many different directions. Yeah. Um, my guess is they sit there and wait until CJ Stroud is um, selected, whether that be the first overall pick or it, it could have been, we could actually find out that it, he's going to be the first overall pick two weeks early. Yes, we and could. Then, and then they have, plans b through j already lined up um and uh they just go from there but it may just be a sit and wait i wouldn't just wait to see what happens with you know with stroud or or um anderson and that ends up dictating everything else everything i agree else after that. I, I agree dominoes will fall in a certain order and uh it happens every year that way and yep. seattle's at five which just makes it uh, a lot of fun because mm-hmm. uh, Seattle's got ammunition to move up if they choose, like if they've identified a guy and this is the draft, this is the year that they make a play on on whatever it is, um, they have ammunition to move up. Now, do they have a trade partner? We'll talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, it, will they move back because the board falls in a certain way? Do they have a trade partner for that? Do they get stuck and have to make the, the pick? What happens then? Uh, all that is uh is fun to talk about all right let's get out of here it was a great uh great show uh thanks for coming in and sharing all that that was awesome you can find keith on twitter at mars nfl find myself at nwc hawk and uh find the show on your favorite podcast platform hit that subscribe button youtube channel same thing uh we'd really appreciate it um again thanks for joining us and uh we look forward to having you uh, as we as we lead up to uh, draft weekend Uh, on the 27th. So until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.
Sports Social Podcast Network.